You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. We're getting you guys ready. The Seahawks returning from a bye week, and they're traveling to Lambeau to take on the Green Bay Packers. Packers coming off a loss, but just one of two this season, the first being week one, the last one being without Aaron Rodgers. So this is a tough challenge for the Hawks, Dave, a real tough one. Yes, it is. And, you know, it's funny, the rivalry, um, we're going to get into that on uh, on Wyman and Bob later, but it's one of the non-division great rivalries. You know, you had Carolina for a while. It seems like Pittsburgh, even though they're AFC and you only yeah. play them every four, but you know, they well, had the, everyone's still mad about Super Bowl 40. I'm not over it. That's exactly right. Yeah. People still remember Ben Roethlisberger and call him a cheater because the he is, official because he is a cheater. The official said he scored. It's not like he said he scored or anything. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> oh, we love did. love to hate. Yeah, <laughs> we love to hate Ben Roethlisberger. But but, you know, you think about these these rivalries. It's about the quarterbacks. You know, it's Aaron Rodgers versus Russell Wilson. For a while there, it was Russell Wilson versus Cam Newton in Carolina, and that was a big one. But, yeah, this is a, this is very much a home-dominated series because uh, I know that the Packers haven't won out here since October 12th of 2008. And then the last time, and I don't even know the date, I just know it was 1999 was the last time that the Seahawks won in Green Bay. So, yeah, these two teams. And, and can you imagine if you're Green Bay – Having come here, and there was the Golden Tate catch that wasn't. And Mm -hmm. then in 2000, after the 14 season, so technically 2015, the NFC Championship game. I mean, there were so many ways that they could have won that. So if you're a Packer (laughs) fan, you probably hate Russell Wilson and this team as much as we all hate, you know, those teams and Ben Roethlisberger and guys like that. And that's what makes a rivalry so great, right? I yep. mean, you, you just love those storylines and you love the setup to, to these games. So uh, this is a tremendous opportunity. And, and quite frankly, I mean, this, this game means more uh, to Seattle than it does necessarily to Green Bay in terms of the outlook of the playoffs and, and everything like that. And, and, and I always feel funny saying that because, Dave, as you know, Every game matters. Every game is meaningful, and and ultimately the Green Bay Packers are not thinking of of it that way. But when it comes to Seattle Seahawks, the opportunity to potentially get your entire team healthy uh, from across the board, offensively, defensively, special teams wise, after the bye. Uh, and, and come out with a win would be huge in terms of setting up the outlook for what the second half of this season can hold. And quite frankly, you know, the opportunity of, of, of thinking about what this team could do postseason. So that's it, that's what this game could mean for the Seattle Seahawks in terms of it being a major launch point for them to have a, an incredibly fun second half of the season. What's interesting about the Packers is that uh, they aren't necessarily leading the league in any particular category. For instance, the Dallas Cowboys have really picked things up this year and for a reason. They're number one in total offense. Uh, I think they're number one or two in, in both passing and rushing. Um, you have the Buffalo Bills defense, which is number one in almost every category. Uh, The Cleveland Browns are number one in rushing offense, but Green Bay is kind of sitting either, you know, top five, top 10, or or maybe around 20 in pretty much everything. And yet they're seven and two. They've just managed to win. And maybe that's the most important thing. But guys, I'm looking at these stats. They're 22nd in total offense. That's not bad. I mean, Seattle's 29th. Uh, They're uh, 18th in the run, 22nd in the pass. That's both really surprising. Total defense, they're actually fifth. So it's interesting to see them be so much better there. They're sixth 
sixth in points allowed. So they've at least been able to stop teams. Um, and uh, the big thing is they've taken advantage of turnovers and have a plus six turnover differential, which is tied for fourth. So they're a team that's just managed to win. And that sounds like such a, a way to simplify it in a way that uh, seems to erase all the important parts, but maybe it is the most important part. They've found a way to win. Yeah, well, and when you play defense like that and you have those kinds of numbers, you can win with that, If, especially if you have an Aaron Rodgers or a Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and the other one was, too, they're sixth in sacks. They have 21 sacks, and, you know, it, it, they're kind of sneaky good. You look at uh, Devondre Campbell. What a great example of a guy that just is yeah. quietly having a really good year. I mean, he's 83 tackles, two forced fumbles, a sack, two interceptions. I mean, geez, this guy's he's playing his tail off, and their defense is – so, you know, if you can hold a team to around – would you say they were fifth, Stace, in uh, in total defense as far as yards yep, yep. go? Yeah, they're allowing 321. Yeah, I mean, that's – and, you know, 320 yards is the number that the Seahawks have allowed the last three games, <sighs> their defense. So th- those are – you know, you can yeah. win. You can win with that. So, yeah, I mean, and they didn't. The Seahawks didn't. They lost a three-point game. They they lost an overtime to Pittsburgh, but they did beat Jacksonville. So that's that's winning defense right there. And so then on the other side, I mean, you have so many weapons, Aaron Jones and, you know, of course, uh, Devontae Adams. I mean, really good players on the offense. And all that, you know, revolves around Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a unique way of looking at this team in terms of how they've been able to play because the year prior – they did not have a great defense. They had a struggling defense, and, and their defensive coordinator ended up getting fired in Mike Pettin, and they were an explosive offense, right? I mean, Aaron Rodgers goes and wins an MVP. Um, the offense really is leading the way for this team, and now they have in this year, because, Dave, as you point out, and Stacy, as you point out statistically, the, the defense is really leading the charge in terms of the style in which they can play. So they can play more of a ball control, try to sustain drives, um, and really try to wear you down from an offensive perspective, knowing that Aaron Rodgers can, and Devontae Adams can come up with enough big plays throughout a given game where they can win. Um, so this is, this is a unique challenge for the Seahawks because I think that when you're talking about all the things that they – uh, that they do and who they are, we still don't fully know, right? I no. mean, who are these guys? Who are they defensively? Who are they offensively? I mean, Dave, Stacy, and I talked about it to start our show. Is this game is going to be extremely revealing? Do you feel that way, Dave? Yeah, I, you know, and especially about, I'm more about the offense. I feel like I know what the defense is about. They're starting to get it fixed. They got their corner situation resolved, I think, pretty well. Um, and then, you know, they're starting to not make the fundamental mistakes. And, you know, we've been hearing a lot from Pete talking about the pass rush coming along. But, yeah, so I feel like they're on kind of a track. But the, the offense never really got going. And then Russell gets hurt. And, and then finally when Gino has like just an awesome game. I mean, I, I just I can't say enough about the throws that he made. Now he's going to go back on the shelf again. You know, and then here comes Russ, and who yeah. knows if it's going to be like he's going to have to restart the momentum or whatever. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's been kind of you know, and I've said I, I felt like they could have used the the preseason. Um, I know that uh, when we talked to uh, Wayne Larravee, who's the play-by-play guy for the Packers, he said that first game that the Packers had mm-hmm. that he thinks they could have used the preseason yeah, too because to they sat all of their their starters. So, but yeah, I 
it just, yeah, who are they offensively? That's the bigger mystery to me. I feel like we've seen this defense around for a while, but, you know, who who are they going to, as we like to say, what are you going to lean your hat on, Jake? Jake is right your there. Hat on. Well, and you guys, uh, shame on me because I've waited eight minutes now to introduce the fact that they are getting Russell Wilson back. Russell Wilson expected to be back in this game, and you're right, Dave. It's a bummer for Geno Smith after his best game to, yeah. to now get uh, benched again and return to that backup role. But it does, I think, change our expectations for what this offense can do because there's also a chance. Now, Pete Carroll sounded less optimistic about this. We'll get some more information today. There's also a chance you can get Chris Carson back. Guys, what are your expectations for this team with those two guys? I want to talk more about that idea that we haven't seen really what the offense can look like. Well, just you think about what Chris Carson, when he's healthy and what he brings, you know, the run that he had in Minnesota, um, you know, the the cutback 32-yard uh, run that he had against uh, the Colts. I mean, he when he gets going, he can be that guy. You forget that. And look, I, I think when he's healthy and having one of his best games, he's a top 10 running back mm-hmm. in this league. But it just, I don't know, that whole thing kind of bothers me about the neck. And, you know, I'm hoping that he's going to be able to get out there and, you know, just recover from it. There's been lots of, you know, rumors about that. Same thing with Eskridge. I mean, I think they really could have used that kid. He, that guy plays so fast. So, yeah, I think those are two reasons why we don't really know what this offense is about. Yeah, the the thing that I want to see and what I've been talking about, it, it really and it sparks a lot of it in just hearing the defensive players. And I've been talking about it, but the defensive players, Bobby Wagner, Quandre Diggs, talking about Aaron Rodgers and what he does so well. You want to know how you can get Russell Wilson in the flow of this game really quickly and 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 make him a strength and a positive right out of the gate is one finding him easy completions that could be in the naked bootleg game that could be you know underneath passing routes you know the underneath aspect of the game but finding him easy completions positive completions but the other aspect of it is you mentioned Chris Carson allow Russell Wilson to be at the line of scrimmage allow him to get you in the right positions whether it's run or pass knowing that you have a weapon like Chris Carson back there that you can turn to if the defense dictates that coverage to you so I think that that's a great way to get him back into the flow of the game and allow this offense to be as successful as possible all right we are going to hear from Russell Wilson in his first press conference his return to the game that's coming up at 1245 first though guys back-to-back player interviews with Al Woods and Freddie Swain that's up next you are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. We're getting you guys ready with a two-hour preview of the Seahawks' upcoming game against the Packers. Coming out of a, of a bye week, fresh legs, fresh perspective, got to review that tape. And one thing, Jake and Dave, that Pete Carroll said they really looked at was third down. Now, the question that he got about it in a press conference was about offensively on third down, though I am sure they looked at both offense and defense. So let's start defensively, where they've been fourth in the league uh, over the last three weeks on third down, holding teams to 29% there, um, which, look, I think that the improvement that you can see is somewhere in between the benefit of playing bad offenses and actual improvement. Like, I think there's something to be said for both. Yeah, and and I think, you know, I always say a, a good defense is good defense against anyone, whether it's the Jags or whatever. I mean, they're they're all good, okay? They all can win a game and on any Sunday. So, but yeah, I mean, you know, the other thing is, and I know it gets tiresome hearing this, but like, you know, third down often is a product of what happens on first and second. And, and one of the things that really, and Jake, you know this better than anybody, I mean, everybody always says, well, a hurry is as good as a sack. I'm like, no, a sack <laughs> is really, uh, 
And, it's and, a good thing. It's, oh. well, it's like saying uh, smelling brownies is kind of like eating brownies. Yeah. It's not. It just makes me want a brownie more. That's a good point. Well, I mean, on first down, second down, all of a sudden you go from it possibly being a very manageable third and two or three, you get sacked, and now it's like a third and 11, third and 12. There's only so many things you can do. So, you know, that um, I looked at the, the, the sack thing a few years ago. And in 2019, remember, they were terrible. They had the second least sacks uh, in the NFL. I think it was uh, Miami had like 26 or 27. They had 28, I think. But if you looked at the drives on those uh, sacks where they had them, there was never a touchdown scored. In a series where they had a sack, there were no touchdowns. And then, you know, I can't remember, it was like five or six field goals. There was a couple missed field goals. I mean, it was all good. <laughs> I mean, if you're a defensive player, it was all good stuff. No no touchdowns, holding people to, or teams to uh, to field goals. So, yeah, it's a huge play. So that, you know, that, that will help them. And yeah, I think Pete has been talking about the pass rush coming along, getting a little bit better. And I think that also, Jake, is – because the coverage has gotten better and a lot of improvement at corner, especially. Yeah, it is a factor. And, and in that conversation, just real quick, as you're talking about hurries and pressures and sacks, sacks we know is the ultimate prize. The, uh, the, the reason why hurries and pressures can sometimes be a misleading stat, although it's good, they don't always quantify as the same thing. And every quarterback reacts differently to hurries and pressures. The great quarterbacks, hurries and pressures, that's just football. They know how to deal with it. They can get rid of the football. And even when they get hit, they're able to – they're able to still be effective quarterbacks. Um, and, and so when you face some of the lesser quarterbacks, sometimes you can get in their head. You could rattle them a little bit. Um, but overall, the, the best thing is sacks. But you're, you're right, Dave, when it comes to this, this defense getting better in that regard towards sacks, uh, the back end being able to sustain coverage and actually make quarterbacks have to hold on to the football. And the thing that I saw, and yes, it's a rookie quarterback with Trevor Lawrence, but because there's actual defenders around the targeted receiver, you're seeing a quarterback have to not only find the open guy, but then once they find the open guy, how do I place this football? How do I fit it in there? Do I have to put it on his back hip? Can I lead him? There's that quick other uh, second thought process in terms of how you're throwing that football, um, which leads to errant throws. And and that, to me, is the thing that the Seahawks have not been able to do effectively to begin the year that they started to tighten up over the last couple weeks. Well, and then, you know, here's the thing about the sacks as far as team goes. Uh, they have more than Kansas City, and they have more than Atlanta. And that's it. That is the end. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, you look at the teams that have more than them. I mean, Detroit – Jacksonville, Miami, Houston. So yeah, they're they're pretty far down on the list and I don't know if you guys think it, it, it well, is more about coverage or it's just different this year. Sometimes it's about heating up at the right time, too. Like, Jacksonville, when they entered that game against Jacksonville, had eight sacks. So in the game that Jacksonville played against Seattle and then the subsequent game they had against Buffalo, they're now up to, what, 15? So you have to think in two weeks they almost doubled their sack total for the year. So Jacksonville just managed to get hot over the last two yeah. weeks and, and turn that around. So you can turn it around at any point. Um, same with New Orleans that had eight sacks heading into that game against Seattle and then had four, I think, of Geno Smith on the day, four or five. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, 
I don't know what needs to happen. And it's weird because they're heading into uh, the season with a lot of the same defensive personnel. We're going to be joined by Al Woods here, speaking of, in, in just a couple seconds. But so curious to ask him, too. Uh, about the pass rush and just about facing Aaron Rodgers, right? Like, do you, how do you prepare to face a guy like that? That might be my first question for Al Woods, who joins us right now. Hey, Al, how are you? Hey, how you doing? I'm well, thank you. We're just previewing this upcoming game against the Packers. And, man, I don't know if you have an easy answer for this one, but how do you prepare to face Aaron Rodgers? Uh, study, study, <laughs> and more study. <laughs> Makes sense. And then... <laughs> go out there and give it your best and I'm pretty sure he's going to have something up his sleeve oh, so no. yeah well <laughs> and Al it seems like you know he's not necessarily like a scrambling quarterback but he is a guy that this I don't know it comes off as he knows exactly where to move he's really good at just kind of shifting around in the pocket is that is that his strength is that how how he's so elusive I would say, you know, I mean, let's just be honest. The dude going to have a gold jacket when he decides to retire. But, I mean, it's like watching a master at work, you know. So, to, to be the master, you you have to study one um, and study his movement, study what he's going to do. But definitely, you know, he's a guy that he can get out and make things happen with his legs. He's deceptively fast. People think he's slow, but he's really not. Um, so, just go out there and just – Muddy up, muddy it up for him. Keep keep everything in front of him, and let's see what happens. Well, Al, you know one of the other aspects, uh, the way that you guys can muddy things up is, you know, one of the things that people overlook is the fact that the Green Bay Packers do have a pretty effective run game with Aaron Jones, uh, with uh, AJ Dillon. I mean, th- these guys are are pretty darn good backs. They do rely on their running game. So, Al, what have you seen from them in that offensive line, and what kind of challenge is that going to be for you guys? Um, they got a great one-two punch with their backs. Um, both hit hit it downhill, not messing around. Um, offensive line are, are good. Um, they they do a good job of working together as a unit, making sure everybody's in the right spot, doing the right thing. So it's definitely going to be a challenge, but, hey, man, it's a challenge that we happily accept, and, and we're going to test that challenge on Sunday. Hey, Al, when you go into a game, tell me about weather. Uh, for me, it was always heat. I hated heat because you just can't get cooler. You can always get warmer. But uh, I don't think it's going to be a factor this week. But as far what's what's your least favorite weather phenomenon on game day? Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of – I don't really have one. Do you um, handle the heat okay, though? Yeah, I'm from the south. Yeah. I'm from Louisiana, so I've been I've been in the heat all of my life, and then I made a bunch of my career up in you know Pittsburgh. So that was dealing with cold. My couple of times here in the Seattle, you know, Indianapolis, Tennessee. That's all cooler states that I'm used to being in. So you know, for majority of my majority of my career, I've been up there in those states. So I'm, I can adjust to the cold quite well easily. Al, I've always been curious from an offense defensive line perspective. You guys are going at it all game long. How chippy does it get? I mean, are you guys just, you know, you know, bunch of big dudes that are going at it, let the play do the talking and, and trying to catch your breath the next play to get it going all over again? Or is there a lot of talking that goes on in between each play? Every now and then you have some talking just when um, 
you know, the battle is getting really, really hot and the games are getting close and, you know, you've been in the even battle. People may say something just to throw you off your game a second, but uh, me personally, I don't talk. I don't say a word to nobody. I just do my job. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have time. I got too much stuff to be, get done in between the snaps, so I don't say a word. I just may look at you like, I'm a I'm a hurt you on this next play, but other than that, I ain't I ain't saying that. I feel like that's almost scarier, right? Like if I was an offensive player and I was like, "Hey, man," and someone looked at me and said nothing, I'd be like, "That guy's gonna kill me." <laughs> yeah, I mean that's exactly what I do. People say stuff to me all the time, and I just may walk past. I won't even open perfect. My mouth. Al, is that there, is, is perfect. Al, is there any any time you don't have to name a specific player or or whatever? But has there ever ever been a time where you've heard some trash talk where you're like, you know what? I got to give you props on that one. That was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, one time they actually made me laugh on the field. One guy told me I had pretty eyes, and they just kind of told me. <laughs> I was like, all right, listen, we playing ball. Like, leave that, leave that alone, bro. <laughs> no, man, I think that was the that, that was an effort that for sure. That was smart one. trash talk. That all right, he is defensive lineman for the Seattle Seahawks, Al Woods. <laughs> Al, it's been a pleasure. This has been fun, man. We hope we can talk to you again this season. Yep, yeah, have a good one. You too. Thanks, y'all. Told him right. he has pretty eyes. I kind of like really abstract trash talk. Like, yeah. I like the idea of a player being like, hey, I like your shirt. And the, yeah. the, the, the player's just like, what? Do like, we have a second or do we need to go to break? Uh, we'll have to break. We'll come back here okay, in just a minute with Freddie Swain. Just one little trash talking story. I can't wait. <laughs> this is coming up next on The Huddle. You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. Talking to some players today and joined now by wide receiver Freddie Swain. Hey, Freddie, how are you? Oh, Freddie, can you hear us? Yes, I said I'm good. How you doing? Oh, there we go. All right. Uh, well, we're really excited to talk to you. We've got, um, I think, a lot of expectations for this offense in the second half of the year. You guys have been powering through. I know it hasn't been the year you've wanted, but you've also been dealing uh, with some guys missing and some guys injured. So what are your own personal expectations for the offense, starting with Green Bay? But let's talk second half, too. Well, I think we just got to play a clean game um, all the way through. Um with everybody, everybody, every position. Uh, I think we just play a clean game, clean game, and everybody executes. I think we'll come up uh, like we should. Yeah. Hey, Freddie, tell us about that room now. You know, and I, I'm not sure how much uh, you look at the the news and stuff like that. Odell Beckham Jr. out there, but it seems like you guys have a really good chemistry there. It seems like everybody cares about each other and supports one another. T- tell us about the the uh, culture in that receiver room. Um, yeah, I think it all uh, it all starts with respect. Everybody respects each other. Everybody knows what what everybody brings to the table. So um, I think we just push guys to to a limit to whether whoever's in the game, there's no drop off to whoever's in the game. So I think we just hold everybody to the same standard, and uh, we just have fun. You know, Freddie, uh, one of the things that has been really fun to watch this season is just uh, the ability to use you in a variety of different ways, whether that is in the fly sweep game or, or seeing more contribution in the passing game um, and, and, you know, having a focus to get you the football. What has that role been like for you thus far as the season has evolved, uh, especially with, you know, D being out and um, you getting more opportunities? Uh, yeah, I just come to work. I show show that I could be trusted. Um, I, I run block, I, I pass block, I catch the ball, kind of do it all. So it's, uh, it's kind of fun to, to have a role like that in, in an offense like this. Hey, Freddie, we haven't seen him yet, but how's Russell Wilson looking at practice? Great. Like nothing ever happened. <laughs> so you can't tell anything. There's no No, that was a, that was a good answer. Speed off, off the fastball <laughs> or anything like that? Nope, nothing. There we go. Okay, we're going top secret. 
He doesn't want to reveal anything. Yeah. I get it. I get it. <laughs> uh, Freddie, you know, one of the other things is, you know, people on the outside look at Russell Wilson, his pregame routine. I know that a lot of people also don't know that, like, he's been doing that at practice when he was out as well off to the side. You know, he was doing that while you guys were practicing and everything as well. Um, what did your guys what was your guys' conversation about that amongst yourselves when you're seeing Russell, you know, off to the side doing his thing or going through the pre pregame routine? A lot of people, you know, uh, uh, giving him flack or, or talking about his preparation, what what does it say to you guys, though? Uh, you can just tell how much he wants it, how much he, he's locked in and he's focused. You know, to be out with an injury and he's still over there, like, managing, like you have a, a whole offense around you and you're driving the ball up and down by yourself, it shows your your, your character as a, as, a, as, a, as a human, as a player, as a man, and it shows guys that, that you're, you're bought in. Hey, uh, Freddie, I'm curious. I I asked about kind of, you know, the plan for the whole offense and, and the playbook and all of that stuff. But what are your own personal goals for this season? Um, just to keep contributing in any type of way, uh, whether it be special teams, offense, just keep uh, contributing uh, and be, be a, and being a factor. Hey, Freddie, uh, for you, you're a guy from Florida, so you pretty much looks like you grew up in Florida. And I, I know the weather's supposed to be, you know, okay, um, you know, a little bit cold. But uh, is there anything that uh, – what's your least favorite as far as uh, weather? For a receiver, it's got to be what, rain, wind? What about snow? Um, it depends on the rain. Florida Florida rain's different than, than Seattle's rain. So, yeah. yeah, it is. Uh, I would say – Florida's rain is probably the most difficult to play in. I, I'm with you, Freddie. I, I uh, was there at Miami for six months for my final year, and I couldn't <laughs> believe it. It rains a lot here, but I was walking to camp through campus. All of a sudden, it starts to rain. I thought to myself, no big deal. And immediately, I had to go underneath some shelter because I was drenched like I just got in the oh, pool. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, it rains pretty good down there. Yeah, it, it really does. Now, you know, Freddie, <laughs> Freddie, one of the things that you know I, I've I've really been looking at has been the 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 idea of the offense, the identity. What has this offense really tried to establish themselves to be? What do you guys feel like you guys should be offensively? I think we're a balanced team. We can run it. We can pass it. So I think if we just come out hitting on all cylinders, like I said, and, and we just execute the plays that are called, I think we'll be a, a, a well offense and a, and, and a top offense in the NFL. Can I get back to that last question we were talking about? What's like the most physically uncomfortable you've ever been in a game weather-wise where it was either way too hot, way too cold, stormy, windy, I don't know what was happening, uh, where you thought, man, I'm not confident I'm making it through this one. Uh, in the NFL or just anytime, been, anytime oh, where, it, no. where it sticks with you. You know, when you have moments that stick with you and you can remember yeah. how you felt that kind of. Game. No, it, in, in Florida, it gets pretty hot. So uh, there's been a couple of times in a couple of games that it's been scorching hot and you don't know how you're going to get through it. So. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. so, so Freddie, is it, is it kind of cool going into, is Green Bay one of those trips that you kind of check off your list that, you know, it's, it's got a oh, lot yeah, of history. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're excited for this trip then. That's right. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Freddie, I was talking to Al about this, and, you know, interior linemen are a little bit different. Uh, you know, there might not be as much trash talking, but uh, how much trash talking has there been, in your experience, out on the edge between you and, and, and the corners? And has there been anybody that's actually gotten you and you've been like, you know what, that's actually pretty good? No, I'm, I, don't, I, don't, I don't feed into that. Um, I'm there to play a game. I don't... <laughs> I don't feed into the trash talk. I mean, it's cool and it's fun, but it's a penalty now, so I don't really feed into it no more. And they fine you for it, so I try to keep my money in my pocket. I have a dollar now. It's a good way to approach wise, it. Very he wise. is Seahawks wide yes. receiver, Freddie Swain. Freddie, have a good game this weekend. Good luck, and it's been a pleasure talking to you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate you. Yeah. All See right. You, Freddie. Uh, you are listening to The Huddle. I want to. We have one minute left, Dave. i got to hear this All trash right. talking story. Really quick, Joe Kane. Uh, we were down, it was a TV timeout down in L.A. playing the Raiders, and uh, it was back in the 90s where those Malcolm X shirts were really in with the big X. Uh-huh. And so uh, Joe told one of their offensive linemen, he goes, yeah, you can't wear a Malcolm X T-shirt because a helicopter might land on your ass. <laughs> and everybody, so everybody, both sides of the of the. Uh, ball we're, yeah. we're cracking up oh god yeah, that's a good one <laughs> that was a good one i liked that one i don't know if it's better than someone telling al woods you have beautiful eyes because i love just awkwardness that's very awkward that one's that's a very one. that one's very kind of like a, i like an idea of a, a trash talk where the the person who is being trash talked to the recipient has no idea what to say well and the thing is is it's like the last thing you would expect on the field <laughs> it is. right it is. All right. That, that, beautiful that'll eyes. give you a, that'll give you a double take. That's for sure. <laughs> All right. Uh, Russell Wilson speaking with reporters next, and we got Ray Roberts and Steve Rabel coming up in hour two. This is the huddle. Welcome back to the huddle. Dave Wyman, Stacy Ross, Jake Heaps, C. Raj on the board. Let's go to the Russell Wilson press conference. Now being out there, what, what's a recruiting pitch look like to get him to come to Seattle? Well, I think first of all, with Odell, obviously he's an unbelievable talent. You know, one of world, world class. Did it pick up my voice? Um, and uh, you know, I think that you know, for for our organization, you know, we're always trying to find ways to compete and trying okay. to find ways to win that kind of thing. But we got some great guys already too, and we got some of the best best guys in the world already. So just to have the possibility of adding another amazing talent would be amazing. Um, if not, we're still ready. We're still ready to go. Hopefully, hopefully all the way, and uh, that's kind of our focus. But um, he's a, he's a tr- tremendous talent. Do you know him a little bit? Yeah, I've gotten to know Odell over the years. I mean, he's he's always worked extremely hard. We've thrown the summer times, you know, and all that kind of stuff in, in California and stuff, and uh, you know, have have a good, good rapport with one another and stuff like that. So, got, got a lot of respect for how, how he plays the game and all that. Have you talked to him? Have you talked to him since he became a free agent? Yeah, we we've talked, you know, we we talked throughout the, the years, really, to be honest with you. Just just about life and whatever, you know, and just been good friends and stuff like that. And like I said, we've thrown a bunch together, you know. So I know him pretty well. What have these last few weeks been like for you? I mean you never missed a game, hardly any practice, anything for ten seasons and yeah. then to, to be out this long, how was that for you? You know, um it was definitely a, a challenge, you know. I think adversity um brings the best out of you, you know, and I think that uh you know, for me, I definitely went through some adverse times with, my, with the hand and everything else, and uh, you know, um, you know, difficult moment. But at the same time, um, you know, I also know that you know, I, I, I always lean on the scripture: consider pure joy. James one two says, "Consider pure joy and go through trials and tribulations, because the test of faith that builds perseverance." And and um, uh, I, you know, a few things that my parents and, and I taught me is you know, knowing how to persevere, knowing how to get through adversity. And I think that. Um, just being, I think, first of all, the first thing is, is you know, non-negativity. Just, 
just trying to be um, completely neutral in the midst of it all, knowing that things happen. You know, I'm also knowing that and I've been blessed to be able to play all the games I've been able to play and, uh, you know, and, and all the things I've been able to do so far in, in this league. And I think that, uh, you know, I feel like it's, it's a new beginning. I feel like it's a new start. And I feel like it's, it's time to get going again, all over again. So I think that uh, all the hard work, all the attention to detail has been amazing. I think also, too, um, I think to be surrounded around some of the best people in the world, you know, daily, obviously this organization and people around here, um, and also too, just kind of my performance team. I mean, just to have uh, Amy, my PT, uh, with, with the amount of time. I mean, we literally probably 20 hours a day, 19 hours a day, you know, we're working on on, on this hands, just trying to, to, to break records with this thing. Cause you know, it was a pretty severe injury, you know, in the sense of uh, how many things happen, you know? And so I think that for me, my whole my whole mindset was to cut the time in half, you know, and uh, that's kind of that's kind of what my mindset has been since the moment it happened. And uh, you know, I think that you know to have amazing people like Amy uh, to be there every day, every every pretty much every second of the day, to also have um, you know some amazing people too. Um, you know, uh, Slade Amy Moe's awesome OT hand specialist has been awesome. Um, you know, to be obviously Dr. Shin's best in the world at, uh, at hands, and to be able to work with him. Um, you know, and, and I think for me, I never lost confidence in what, where I was going to go, what I was going to do, and how I was going to get, get it done. You know, and so I think that, um, you know, throughout the whole process, I knew, you know, I was like, I was, I was hoping, I kind of knew in my head, you know, this is where I, this is my goal, this is where I, where I want to be, this and that. Um, just keeping my, my head in it. You know, every day I practice. You know, I mean, every day I practice. I got every single rep and some more. You know, just by staying on the side and just trying to mentally go through everything. I think obviously you guys saw the games, me mentally being in it too as well, but. Um, I think you got to have vision. You got to have you got to have the ability to to play the game in your head. You got to have the ability to to um, stand tall when it when it's tough, and uh, and also too you know to be around great teammates. It's been an amazing journey. And so, really, um, you know, the the bye week was just God's perfect timing just for me to be able to um, simply just kind of go into a shell and just you know. I, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to get the pen out quite yet, but, you know, just had to get confirmation. And so uh, Dr. Shen said I could once he saw my hand again. And uh, and everything was going at an exponential rate because of all the treatment and all the things we were doing. And so um, you know, all the innovative thoughts of, and everything else. And so, you know, um, when I was able to get the pen out, you know, I really wasn't supposed to throw for a little bit longer. But, you know, um, I was with my performance team, Tim, Tim, Tim Grover and uh, – you know, Amy was down there, Mo, just different people, and uh, Coach Ob, Decker, uh, Andressa, and then um, and Coach Bible was actually there with me too. Um, and so we we uh, we kind of Tim tossed me the ball, and I kind of tossed it back to him. He said, "All right, you can do it." So then I kind of looked at the ball again, uh, <laughs> you know, me. And so I just picked up the ball the next day, and just you know, that day, it's probably 12, 16 hours after the pin, somewhere somewhere on there, maybe less, and uh, just started trying to throw, and. Uh, I had a I had a plan in my head, and I even beat my own plan just by having amazing people around. So I, I'm grateful to God that I'm able to do what I get to do every day, but also to know that, um, you know, uh, I could do it with the passion and the joy. And the thing I think about it all too, as well, is you know, um, I've always loved this game, and to be able to find that much more love for it every day, because you can take your time. You can, you know, well, you know, you know. And for me, and you know, there is no other option, you know. And so uh, we have a goal. We have a goal to, to win. We have a goal to win it all. And um, everything we want to do is right there in front of us. We got to take it one step at a time. Um, I think that the thing in, 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 in rehab, um, just in general, in the, in the process has been that, you know, you just take the next step. You just take the next step, the next breath.
And uh, so that's been a cool journey. That was Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson speaking to reporters. Some breaking news here on the Odo Beckham Jr. front. Now, I want to preface that there are conflicting reports, so I'll tell you what both reports are. ESPN insider Adam Schefter says that Odo Beckham Jr. is expected to sign with the L.A. Rams, a team that was recently in on Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, now may have claimed him. So, uh, excuse me, signed him, not claimed him. Um, meanwhile, uh, Kim Jones and Ian Rappaport NFL Media, NFL Network, say that Odell Beckham Jr. is still narrowing down his choices, and right now he's focused on the Rams and the Packers. So it sounds like uh, at least one report, Rappaport, is that he is between the Rams and the Packers, but still unsigned. Justina Anderson echoing that he is still on the fence. Meanwhile, Adam Schefter saying he is expected to sign with the Rams. I'm with Schefter. I'm going to go with Schefter because uh, he used to write for the Rocky Mountain News when I was in Denver, and he's yeah, an acquaintance of mine. I wouldn't say we're friends, but uh, he I think you should claim it. He also has like twelve phones. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I just get that feeling. But if he is Jake, I mean, don't they have enough weapons down there already? Well, it's- I mean, they. I mean, Sean McVay doesn't think so. I mean, they they feel like they can add another weapon and a third target to Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, and and feel like they can be even more dynamic for Matthew Stafford. I mean, either way, I mean, the conflicting reports whether he goes to Green Bay, whether he goes to Rams. I mean, these are two very high-powered offenses that they will be adding another very talented football player to their roster, and it just stinks to see OBJ go to a uh, a a division rival um, or within the NFC in, in general. But if he's going to the Rams, I mean, you know, part of it is the unique aspect of OBJ wanting, you know, saying that he wanted uh, to go to Seattle, that Seattle was his favorite team over the weekend. And I think from an initial standpoint, thinking of playing with Russell Wilson, going to Seattle, playing for Pete Carroll, all those things are attractive. But when you talk about um, where the current status of the team is and also where the offense is as well, uh, I I also don't blame Odell Beckham Jr. for thinking twice about that decision and, and trying to figure out where is the best scheme fit for him to be able to be successful uh, in these eight, nine games where it's going to be vital for him to not just be a part of a winning team and a known program, but more importantly to produce so that when you hit free agency, you can earn another big contract. All right. If you are just now joining us, first of all, you're listening to The Huddle. And secondly, there is breaking news regarding Odell Beckham Jr. Conflicting reports from ESPN and NFL Network. ESPN's Adam Schefter saying Odell Beckham Jr. expected to be an L.A. Ram. NFL Network's Ian Rapoport saying he is still on the fence, currently choosing between similar offers from the Packers and Rams. We'll continue following this story, but mostly previewing the Seahawks' upcoming game against the Packers in at Lambeau Field. We're going in the trenches with Ray Roberts next. You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. We're getting you guys ready with a two-hour preview of the Seahawks' upcoming game at Lambeau against the Green Bay Packers. Going to be joined here in just a couple seconds by Ray Roberts, former Seahawks offensive lineman, and a voice on the Seahawks' pre- and post-game show. He'll take us in the trenches and help us understand everything we need to know there. So let's bring him on right now. Hey, Ray, how's it going? Yeah, it's going all right out here. Uh, went, I got crazy and got up this morning and, and went for a trail walk, so I'm soaking wet in my car <laughs> trying to get back to the house. It wasn't a smart move, but it was a move. <laughs> Look, sometimes we react out of emotion, out of ideas in the moment that seem great. Like, I'm going to be healthy right yeah. now. I'm going to get act, I'm going to go outside and, and all, breathe air. All of these all of have gone by, and not once did I think about getting off the couch and going for a walk. <laughs> and then all of a sudden today – 
would it rain? And I said, you know what? This would be a I'll good day it. to go for a walk. <laughs> well, Ray, you learned a lesson, and now you don't have to. You probably won't do that for another 10 years. So there you go. I would. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so Ray, what did you uh, did you think that with uh, OBJ out there that that the Seahawks would uh, w- would take a shot with him? Because you know, to me, I feel like the receiver room. I don't know. It just feels like it's pretty far down on the list as far as need. But you know, it also is a pretty good athlete. Uh, would you? What were you kind of thinking um, until? Well, we don't know for sure if he's he's signed with the Rams, but it sounds right. Like no, honestly, like when it when all this stuff first broke down, and just thinking from a my an Odell Beckham Jr. perspective, I thought coming to Seattle might be kind of tough because the, I don't think he sees himself as a a number three receiver. And clearly, if he came here, uh, he would kind of fit into that space. But then when he came out and said that this is a team that that he would have interest in, then that kind of changed my mind because then he would have had to put some thought into like what role he would play when he came here and be willing to accept that. And so with that being said, you know, I just think, you know, if, if he came here and there was a way that uh, this offense and Russell Wilson could figure out a way to, to serve up three big time receivers and a tight end that wants the ball, <laughs> then that's, that could be a good problem to have. And uh, you know, he's such a dynamic dude uh, that, uh, you know, his yards after the catch, you know, he, I think he's probably a little bit better catching those short passes and turn them into long runs than, than maybe uh, Tyler and DK are. Uh, so I think he could have added to the, to the offense that way. Um, but, um, but my biggest concern was, uh, you know, just how hard it is for them to get the ball to DK and, and Tyler, right. where they, you know, there's one game where DK gets all the catches. There's another game where Tyler gets all the catches. Now you got to get Odell in there. So then, does, is there a third game where he gets all the catches and it rotates through? There, there never seems to be like a, a balance in the, the amount of targets and receptions that those two guys get. So then, how are you going to bring in another guy who likes a volume targets and, and catches? So that was that would have been my biggest concern. But uh, but if it was a if this is a team that he chose to come to, then I would be more than willing to open the door up to him and see if we could make it work. Uh, Ray, I'm going to get off the subject just because I'm just uh, emotionally hurt right now. Um, so <laughs> you I, know how I, quarterbacks they always I, the answer is always more wide receivers. Typical. Just get me more receivers. I say well, that even though I was agreeing when it's, with when Jake. It's your, when it's your only option and opportunity to upgrade with a serious talent at this point in the season, why not? Um, what, <laughs> what 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 could you lose at this point? Uh, for for me, uh, Ray, I go into this matchup with the Green Bay. Packers and the guy that I'm worried about I know you know the edge guys get a lot of love and attention and the safeties and linebackers but the guy that I'm worried about the most is the big war daddy number 97 Kenny Clark in the middle what kind of a challenge is that going to be for the Seahawks and for that interior of that offensive line yeah I think you know I think those two the two guards in the center they're going to have their hands full uh you know that that guy can kind of beat you with power and he also has quickness that he can beat you with so you have to be like on your best uh your best technique behavior to be able to control him and then also you know if chris carson is back and we're running the ball like you have to be able to control the middle of that defensive line in order to run the ball and he does a really good job of locking it down and to me jake it do- it doesn't really matter who they bring in here at what point of the season whether it's freaking oh you know 
Jerry Rice, if he was like in his prime and you're bringing him back in here, none of it is going to work until the offensive line starts playing better. And they are capable of playing better, and they just haven't quite gotten there yet. So protection-wise, I think they can play better. Run blocking-wise, they can play better. And, and that includes like with the running back finding the holes and the tight ends and the receivers doing their, their, their parts of it too. But I still don't think that this offensive line is grooved yet on either, either way. Like they moments running the ball well, and they have the moments when they pass block well, uh, but they haven't put together a complete game. And so, to me, nothing is really going to jumpstart this offense more than the offensive line up in, up in their game. And so, um, th- to me, that's kind of where the success of the offense lies. We don't, uh, what are some specific issues that you're seeing, just so people listening kind of know what to watch for when you talk about uh, the offensive line just not gelling yet? Yeah, so uh, to the offensive line, out of – all the groups on the on the field, you have to have five dudes that are working as one. And you can't have one dude screw it up because then that one mess up can mess up the whole play. So like on defensive line, you can have four dudes get three of the four getting blocked and the one dude can can make the play. You can't have that same thing on the offense. And on the offense, everybody's taking their turn doing it. So there'll be one play where the 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 the, the guard in the center has a good movement on the, the, the defensive tackle, and, and there's a, a crease up in there to run the ball. But then the backside tackle, the backside guard doesn't get the cutoff. And then a, a defensive tackle slams down into the line and makes a tackle. Or, or the same thing can happen out on the edge where you maybe have a good combo with the, the tackle and the, and the tight end, but then the center and the guard you know, kind of messes up their thing, and, and then it's kind of the, the run back is tackled in the backfield. So none of that stuff is kind of really jailed. And the same thing in pass protection. Pass protection, they've getting, they're getting better at passing off games, but they're not very good at it still. And so when, when the line is running stunts, they get on, the offenses on the offensive linemen are on different levels. So then it makes it easy to then uh, – uh, it's kind of like a pick and roll. So if the, the guard, the defensive tackle can pick the tackle, he can't get back in front of the, the, the defensive tackle. But then the guard is coming off on the looper – well, then the defensive tackle is free. So you can't really see all that when I'm saying it, but it's kind of like a pick and roll. And so if you're on different levels, it make it really hard to pick that up. So those types of things are still happening with this offensive line, and it's not because they're not good enough to do it. I just, don't, I just still, I still think that it's just like this whole hangover of just getting all these reps together. I mean, you, you have some really good football players up there. They're just not playing to their capabilities right at this moment. But when they do – I think the offense will take off, and you have plenty of weapons here to do that with, whether it's Freddie Swain in that third spot or D. Eskridge in, the, in, the, in that third spot, getting the running game going, getting the screen game. There's, a, there's plenty of, of stuff here for this offense to be successful, but I think it starts with, that, with, the, with the gel of the offensive line. That's interesting you talk about the stunt, Ray, because I, I was looking at that, and you know the, the Jacksonville Jaguars ran one where they got home on it, and it was with uh, that Josh Allen kid mm-hmm. on the outside, and it looked like the D-tackle just kind of overwhelmed. I think it was Gabe Jackson, and then Brandon Shell wasn't able to get to him. But, yeah, it's, it's interesting to hear it the way you put it because I guess that's a rule, right, that you, you have to stay pretty much on yeah. that same level. How, how difficult is that to pick up, though? Because a lot of times you just go, oh, man, that's easy. That's very basic. you got to pick it up. But, you know, it doesn't get picked up quite a bit and they're still running stunts in the NFL so it must be more more difficult right. than it looks yeah it is really difficult and a lot of it too Dave comes down to like game like game study and like understanding situations when they when they tend to like to run games and like study stuff all the way down to like the weight that a dude had on his fingers or where he was leaning or even if he was like lined up like 
just a little bit wider on the guard than he typically is, then I'm already alerting myself that this dude is going to run a game of some kind. And then, and in that way, you anticipate it. And it may or may not happen, but if it, when it does happen, you're more readily to react to it. But it, they are difficult because if you think about it, if you compare it to the pick and roll uh, in basketball n- – People still can't defend that, that play. That still you works. That, that, <laughs> yeah, that is the that is the easiest basketball play in the history of basketball, and you still can't figure out how to defend it. And so it is really super uh, hard uh, on the football field to do the same thing. But you got to put in a lot of time and and uh, study in it and understanding the the down and situation and what what they like to do during those downs and situations on different parts of the field when they tend to run the games when they tend not to run the games like those types of things. Looking at the the width of the linebacker or, you know, if the, if the defensive end is closing down or getting back or back off the ball, like all these different kinds of things you can look at to kind of give you some clues as to what might be happening so you can anticipate that. And it just takes a lot of time and practice. And then with all the different pieces on the offensive line, the way they switch things around, just kind of understanding all that timing and stuff too. Uh, takes a little bit uh, takes a little bit longer. And, it's, and quite frankly, it's taken longer for this offensive line than I thought it would. It, yeah. I mean – yeah, we missed the, the reps in the preseason and all that, but like three or four games in, they they should have been playing a lot better, and they haven't quite gotten there yet. Yeah, it's, it's a good point, and, and honestly, Ray, this is why we turn to you for In the Trenches to help us understand a bit more about this, and something tells me we're going to have a lot of questions next week when you join us on the huddle again uh, because there's so much to dissect with this offense and the offensive line especially. He is Ray Roberts. You can hear him every Thursday on the huddle. You don't have to wait until next Thursday, though, because you can tune in three hours before the Seahawks game to hear Ray on the Seahawks pre- and post-game show. Uh, all right, uh, have a good weekend, Ray. Thanks, Can't wait Ray. to talk to you next week. Thanks, Ray. Yeah, no problem. And Jake, if you need me, man, I'll come give you a big hug to make you feel better, bro. Well, I appreciate <laughs> that, man. I could I could use one right about now. So. We can get through Th- this, Jake. I, I, Thanks for I the can, offer. I can, I, I can definitely feel your pain, brother. And uh, and so if you need me, just let me know. I can come give you a big Ray hug. <laughs> All right, man. Appreciate it. He is Ray Roberts going in the trenches with Ray during the huddle every week. Um, again, Ray referencing that news breaking from ESPN's Adam Schefter that Odell Beckham Jr. is expected to sign with the L.A. Rams. Some early conflicting reports, but uh, looks like that deal could be getting done here pretty soon. We'll be covering that. First, though, we're going to talk with the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel, coming up next. You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. Now, I do have to start with the breaking news. Uh, Steve Rabel, voice of the Seahawks, joining joining us right now. and um, That's the breaking news? No. Wow. Oh. Rabes, uh, yeah. as much as it is exciting to everyone that you're joining us, and that is, I mean, that's news I'm informing you guys of. The breaking news is that Odell Beckham Jr. is expected to sign with the Rams. So we're going to preview this game against the Packers, and we're going to focus on the Seahawks, but I just want to get your quick reaction to that news, given that the Seahawks were a name connected to Odell. Right. Well, I, I, I can't tell you that I'm uh, unhappy that that happened. I mean, I am to the extent that I, I hate for the Seahawks to have to, to play the Rams with yet another weapon. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. is a a terrific receiver, no question about it. But this is sort of a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately kind of game uh, and league. And, you know, I mean, it's been – he's had a couple of years now with Cleveland, and he hasn't exactly set the world on fire back there. You can blame it on the quarterback. You can blame it on the system. But, you know, he's not been what they thought he was going to be there. And I I, I just think maybe it's less about – about uh, about OBJ and more about what the Seahawks already have. And do you want to now slice down what you already have been setting the table for with DK and Tyler and Everett and Will and Swain and Eskridge is coming back? 
do you want to cut that down even more, you know, with a guy who perhaps wants the ball in his hands um, more than you're able to get it to him? So for all those reasons, I'm, I'm just sort of glad it worked out the way. I wish he had ended up with, you know, like the Canton Bulldogs or somebody. I mean, somebody <laughs> that we would really never have to face. Yeah, I know. More uh, weapons in the uh, in the NFC West. That's just what we need. And and I wonder, I mean, with Woods there, and they got Tyler Higby, and they've got, you know, uh, Cooper Cup. I think he already has over, like, a. I know he has over 1,000, and he has, I think, a, over 100 targets. I mean, it could be a problem there. Maybe it'll be a good thing, Rapes. Maybe he'll go down there and implode, and he'll ruin the, uh, the chemistry <laughs> for the Los Angeles Ram offense. Well, you know, you, you hate for any of those things to happen, but uh, it couldn't happen to a nicer organization if that were the case. Uh, <laughs> no, I, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm just, I like, I like the guys that they have here. You know, and besides, you bring a guy in, he's not going to learn the thing overnight, and you just can't go out there and say, okay, in the huddle, okay, run an 18-yard out route or uh, just go deep and I'll throw it to you. That's not the way this offense is designed. So this is, you know, you're talking about bringing somebody in who then there's a, there's a, a you know, a learning curve involved there. This way you don't have to worry about it. And you got your, you know, you got your flamethrower back. Uh, you got a guy who's going to go out there and make plays for you. No matter who he's throwing to, you know, he's going to get the ball to the receiver. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the guys we got. Uh, Raves, this is a huge challenge here in Green Bay coming up. I mean, this is, I, I, I mean, honestly, this could really set you up uh, in a really positive way for a special stretch down here in the second half uh, of the season. Uh, what has to happen in this game in order for the Seahawks to have a chance to win? Well, I think build on what you did uh, coming out of that Jacksonville game and even in the, the weeks leading up to it. Um, you know, we've been talking about the, the Seahawks defense for the first part of the season about, you know, giving up a lot of yards and, and, you know, can't get off the field for a while there on third down, at least early in the season. When you take a look at the stats, that defense has really started to ramp up. You know, they're playing, they're playing pretty well. I, what was the stat I just saw? They're the fourth best team in the league uh, in points against or something like that. They're near the top in red zone defense. They're doing a lot of things really right on defense now. Yeah, they're giving up some yards, giving up some first downs. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, what that does is it keeps your offense on the sidelines. Um, so I like to always think about it in reverse. I like to think, if, as you probably do, Jake, as a, an offensive player, when you can stay on the field offensively, it takes some of that pressure off your defense when you can convert third downs. Um, as we were just in there listening to Tyler Lockett a couple of minutes ago, and he said that's, that's pretty much the number one thing that this offense has to do is convert third downs. Uh, be more successful that way. But, you know, th- there, there are a lot of things that you can do better, need to run the ball better, if Chris Carson can come back, that will certainly help. Uh, with Russell back, I think you'll be looking at throwing the ball a little bit better, throwing guys open, be more confident in that passing attack. Uh, and then with the defense, the way they're playing. I think you know everything is pointing right now for this team. When you look around at some of the other teams that have guys injured, how many players are really hurt, and the Seahawks are getting guys back just at the mm-hmm. right time, I think uh, all the arrows are pointing up. Hey, when you look at this matchup, obviously there's a lot of areas that, uh, based on the stats the Seahawks have through eight weeks, favor the Packers. Like you said, though, they're getting some important pieces back. It starts with Russell Wilson. And not only that, but every team, no matter how good, has a weakness, has a hole. So when you look at the Packers, I mean, where do you see Seattle with an opportunity? 
Yeah, pa- Packers don't have a lot of a lot of holes. And let let's leave offense aside for a second. Uh, just looking at the defense, I, I was I was struck by ha- by how strong the Packers appear up the middle. Mm. You know, they got a couple of pretty good defensive tackles in there. If if both can play this week, they got terrific middle linebacker. Uh, they got two really good safeties. So up the middle of the defense, it's sort of like the middle of a of a baseball team you know from catcher through the shortstop through center field you want to be really stout and i think the packers are that the problem for the anybody playing the packers is they're also pretty good on the edges so you know where do you attack them and they're good in the secondary so that's what's been uh, i'm sure on the mind of shane waldron and Pete carroll all through the bye week is where do you go about attacking these guys and and like tyler said you know do you do you start a game throwing long to short or do you start the game throwing short to long and and i think this offense has gotten better this season going short to long you know playing within yourself waiting for the opportunities and then and then throwing deep um you know i think that's that's the best about the best I can do for uh, against a team that really doesn't have a whole lot of weaknesses at least as as I see it now you know Dave looks at the defense more closely than I do so he may have a better a better handle on that yeah well I mean everything you just described there I mean we're screwed it sounds like that no 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 no. listen Rabes one of the things interesting we were talking about this this morning and I, I can't remember what year it changed but I know the year that I was there it was 1990 and Tony Mandarich, who was the first-round draft choice, remember yeah. he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, but that was back when they used to play half their games uh, in Milwaukee. And and I got a chance to play in one of those. I think you did too. Yeah. And it was a weird deal because I think it was a um, like a baseball stadium. Mm-hmm. And so the two teams were on the same side. This was what my dad would call Mickey Mouse. This is not like NFL. I mean, this was like – it was weird. It was kind of kind of funky the way they had the two teams on the same sidelines. And, uh, yeah, that was kind of a, an interesting experience. But, you know, with all of the, the lore that uh, surrounds uh, Packer Stadium, it, the frozen tundra, all that, it, it's, it's interesting that, that they actually used to give up half the games to play – I guess, you know, Packer Stadium out there was uh, Lambeau was considered to be like out in the sticks or something. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I mean, when I went to visit there coming out of college my, after my final season, they, they brought me up there to have my knee checked and, and mm-hmm. uh, I'd had surgery. And Bart Starr was the coach at the time. Well, you know, Bart Starr was one of the great quarterbacks ever to play in this league. He wasn't one of the greatest coaches ever to coach, yeah. probably through no fault of his own. But, uh, um, you know the the Packers haven't always been great. I mean, through the days of Lombardi and all that, then they fell on some hard times. And then, of course, not really until Mike got there did they really find their way back to that title of title town. Yeah. Uh, so they they did. They split some of their games and they, you know, bring everybody down to Milwaukee. I played there my rookie season. Uh, picked up a blocked punt and ran it in for a touchdown. And Look at thought you. Milwaukee was a great place, sure. <laughs> and there were not? dozens of people in the stands to celebrate the uh, Rabel you know, touchdown. I think there were even more than dozens. <laughs> I think there were there, – There the were triple digits, Dave, the triple Rabel's digits. The family was there. Oh, the my Rabel parents, family. Yeah. My, re- my parents brought friends and family up from Louisville, Kentucky, drove like a full day to get up there and watch a game in Milwaukee. And uh, So, yeah, those were those were the old days. But now you can't imagine – 
the Packers playing any place other than the hallowed yeah. grounds of Lambeau, which just doesn't make any sense. Oh, there was probably all these Rabel jerseys in the stands and everything. The oh, other yeah. day, quick story, I was leaving the stadium, and uh, there was a guy stumbling around. He had a 5 o'clock shadow, and he was, looked hammered. And uh, I was like, and, and I looked closer, and he's wearing a Rabel jersey. No, and, he was not. Yeah, he was. And so I uh, texted that to uh, our producer, Brian O'Connell, and, and also Rabel. And, and O'Connell said, that actually was Rabel. That actually uh, is Steve. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. He is the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel. Uh, Rabes, good talking to you as always. We'll talk to you next week. All right, kids. Thanks. See you, Rabes. Yeah. Yep. All right. We'll tell you guys everything you need to know about the Packers coming your way next on The Huddle. This is The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rust. We are getting you guys ready for the Seahawks' upcoming game against the Packers. This one's going to be on the road at Lambeau, where I know you don't want to hear this part. The Seahawks have not won since 1999, though it hasn't been a lopsided series between these two teams. It's kind of been that each home team usually wins its battle at home. The Seahawks have had success at home against the Packers, vice versa. Um, So, Seahawks obviously hoping that they can break this trend this time around. So let's look at um, where there's some potential weaknesses or opportunities against this Packers team. There aren't a ton. There aren't a ton, but there are some. So let's just look over like what we're dealing with with the Packers here. Uh, they aren't really like number one in any uh, particular category, though they're 7-2. and two, So they're certainly one of the better teams in the league and certainly a top two team, top three team in the NFC as a whole. They'll likely have Aaron Rodgers back, though he remains on the COVID list right now. Uh, Dave, when you're looking at um, maybe the best part of this Packers team that the Seahawks will have to look out for and then an opportunity, what are you seeing? Well, it's always Aaron Rodgers. I mean, look, that and, and Devontae Adams. I've, I've long thought Devontae Adams is the best receiver in the league. I I just love the way he runs his routes, everything. Um, but yeah, I mean they've got so many Aaron Jones. I mean you got those three guys right there. Um, I know that Tanyan. I'm trying to remember if he's even healthy, but he oh good, he's done for the year. Yeah, that's right. He was a good tight end for them. But I mean, look, he has weapons. Whoever you know, he is thrown to Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it's there's a typically going to be a completion i was just looking he's like 68 percent against he's nine and six against the the seahawks 68 percent completion percentage and it's like 12 touchdowns and two interceptions in the what 15 games that he's played and and like like you said it's a very much home um heavy yeah as far as wins go if yep. you're last time they won here was 2008 uh, last time the Seahawks won there, 99, just to recap. So, yeah, it's uh, you, you look at that, but then you all of a sudden go, wait, you forgot about their defense because whenever you think of Green Bay, you just think Aaron of Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, exactly. So uh, you look at, uh, you know, especially being sixth in points scored, they're allowing just 20 points, 20 points a game. But I'll tell you what, the Seahawks defense right now is playing at the level the last three games. Um, they're, I think they would be number two in yardage and uh, and number two in points allowed the way that they're playing they're averaging about a little bit over 14 points a game in the last three and about you know about like I said 320 yards and that's it's wild that at 14 there's a team that's better that's a 130 yard difference yeah from where they were playing as far as the yardage goes so yeah it's uh it's it's at least on the repair but but yeah you look at their defense and that that might be the bigger concern Jake I'm more concerned about the development of the offense than I'm, I am the defense. I feel like the defense, we, we saw this movie last year. You know, they got better. They started off terrible. 
And yet with the uh, offense without Chris Carson and really Eskridge and then your, the main guy, Russell Wilson, haven't really figured this offense out. It doesn't really have a flow yet. Yeah, they don't really know who they want to be yet and, and who they're allowed to be. I think that that is the other thing that, you know, factors into this equation. And, and that part has to get figured out at the midway point of the season. And in this second half, that's vital. That is going to be the whole key to whether you make the playoffs or not, Just even with the defense playing well. If you don't have this offense functioning at a level where they can – you know, play a full game for 60 minutes, I mean, you're going to be in a really difficult spot. So I 100% agree with you from that offensive perspective. And then defensively, I want to see them do it against a legitimate playoff caliber team and against a very good offense. And so if if the defense can can play to the standard of which they've done over the last couple of weeks uh, against Green Bay, against Aaron Rodgers, you, you certainly have to feel very, very good about that turnaround. Um, and if and if, if they don't, it, it'll be extremely revealing. And so that's what, you know, out of anything else, there's so many great storylines that are heading into this game. But I'm also extremely intrigued to learn so much about this Seattle Seahawks team, you know, heading into Lambeau Field this weekend. And and I think it's going to tell us a lot about who this team really is and what we can expect in the second half of the season moving forward. So uh, you're right, Dave, that that has to be an element where they figure out between pass the passing and the running game where they can find that balance, what they're going to what they're going to lean into and really where they're going to live and die by. Is that going to be through Russell Wilson? Is that going to be through the running game? Either way, they have to choose. They have to figure it out uh, in order to give them the best chance for the rest of the season. I'm sorry, really quick yeah. cor- correction. Nine games that uh, Aaron Rodgers played against Seattle, they're six and three. So and but yeah, 69 percent, 12 touchdowns, two interceptions plays well. It's gonna, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough. I'm, we've got a, about a minute and a half, but I want to end with that idea of like what you can learn from Seattle. So Jake, I'll start with you for this one, and you kind of answered it, but just to jump back to it, you said that we can learn something big or a couple big things about the Seahawks, and then you started talking about identity. Is is identity what you think we can learn, or what in particular do you think we have a chance to learn? Yeah, we have a chance to learn identity. We have a chance to learn who is this team really going to be and and what are they truly capable of, right? Is this a legitimate playoff team like we all believe they are capable of becoming or are they just simply not? Are they not a team that can contend with this year at least for 2021 against some of the 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 best uh, you know, playoff caliber teams like Green Bay, like Arizona and 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 those types of teams. I think that part of it will be revealing. Um but I think when you talk about from an offensive perspective and you have Russell Wilson coming back and you have the bye week to reassess and reevaluate how to get the best out of your players and your offense, uh, if this group still looks um, discombobulated uh, and not in sync, I'm not going to panic tremendously because it's Russell Wilson's first time back, but it, it will be concerning, no doubt about that. All right, big questions, players to watch, keys to the game. We'll give you all of those from us. That is coming up next on The Huddle. This is The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jay Keeps, and Stacey Rost. We are going to be joined here by Seahawks.com reporter John Boyle. John, I've given Dave and Jake and myself but uh, homework assignments for our, our last couple minutes here with you guys to give us a player to watch and then one big question. So I'm springing it on you. It's last second, but there are a lot of choices here. Uh, your player to watch uh, and, and maybe a question you have for this game for Seattle. 
I mean, can I just be super obvious and say Russell Wilson? You absolutely can. Does that count? I mean, we're obviously we're assuming he's back and playing, and if he is, look, it's been a tough place for him and for the Seahawks to play over the years in Green Bay. They're 0-4 there, playoffs included. So if if that offense can get going and maybe avoid the, the early hole they've had in some of these other losses there, that's, to me, the biggest difference maker in this game. And what else did you need from me? I forgot already. Uh, you know what? It could be the same thing. Related. The biggest question could just be, what's he look like? Can he actually win on the road? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, that's perfect. Is What does this offense look like? I mean, they've been kind of up and down without Russell Wilson in there. The, the run game's been inconsistent other than really that one half against Pittsburgh when they were really good. So if they can get that offense going, that question to me is, uh, well, I guess now, now I'm out thinking myself. And the other question <laughs> I want to know is how real is what we've seen from the defense? Ooh, you know, that's they've been good. so good the last few weeks, but they haven't faced anybody like Aaron Rodgers and that offense. So you know, I think this game, assuming Aaron Rodgers does get cleared and he plays, is going to tell us a lot about the improvements we've seen from the defense the last four or five games. Boyle, we talked to Freddie Swain and I asked about Russell's fastball and everything and he gave us one-word answers. It was like it's top secret. So, are they trying to <laughs> trying to keep a lid on that, or you know, what's uh, anything you can tell us about uh, Russell and throwing the ball? I mean, the times I've been out there in practice, he's you know, it looked pretty much like normal. And as he said, you know, the the very first time he started throwing, whenever that was last week, right after got the pin out, there's a couple of throws where he's kind of oh, this is different. And then, but he he said it's. It's feeling normal again. He, you know, he's not really feeling any effects of it. He, maybe he's maybe not quite all the way back to 100% yet, but he said he's whatever 90 some percent. And 90 some percent of Russell Wilson is still pretty damn good. So, yep. it, you know, from what I've seen in practice, he's making the throws. He's throwing it deep downfield. He's, you know, doing what you would expect from Russell Wilson. John, you you hear the defensive players talk about the Green Bay Packers offense and particularly Aaron Rodgers, and you just hear this tremendous reverence uh, for Aaron Rodgers and his game and what he is able to do. Uh, what do you think is going to be the biggest challenge for the Seahawks defense facing facing this Green Bay Packers offense? You know, to me, it's just it's overall just the way Aaron Rodgers controls the game. I mean, obviously, he can make some crazy throws. He's so talented, but it's it's the checks he makes to change plays and, and you know, he know he's seen so much defensively. If if he recognizes something, he's gonna get them into a better play. And it's you know, obviously he's famous for the hard count, getting those free plays or catching a guy trying to get off the field and in, in the substitution situation. You, you know, you can't give him those extra plays. He's good enough with the normal amount of plays. You give him some free first downs, some free chances to take deep balls, you're in trouble. So it's just, you know, it's trying to trying to beat him or, you know, not beat him in his own game, but just don't let him beat you with all those things he does to just be so in control of everything. Hey, what's the impression you get about the availability or status of Chris Carson and D. Eskridge? I I can't tell if uh, Pete Carroll's just trying not to be too optimistic or if there's uh, concern they won't play. I mean, what's your read? I, you know, I get the impression that it's not, you know, trying to avoid optimism. It's just they really want to see – how those guys get through the week. It's been, you know, it's been four games for Chris Carson. It's been almost the entire season for D. Eskridge. So it really is just a case of 
okay, they look good Wednesday. How do they feel coming out of that? How do they look Thursday and get through the week? I mean, obviously, I think we'll get a pretty clear indication on Saturday because to get those guys to play Sunday, you got to add them to the roster, and that has to happen by Saturday at, at 1 o'clock Pacific time. So we'll find out. You know, Pete Carroll might tell us tomorrow when he talks to the media. We'll see. You know, he might be pretty confident those guys. But, you know, I, I'd like to think we might see them both back and maybe you limit their roles and you don't you ask Chris Carson to carry the ball 20 times or anything, but you, you kind of get him back in there, get a feel for it. But, again, I just I don't think they really know quite yet until they see a little more out of those two in practice. Boyle, did you get any uh, idea or sort of feel for what most guys did during the bye week? Did did most guys stick around, you think? Were, were there guys taking vacations? Did you hear anything? You know, I haven't talked to a ton of the guys about that because we're not in the locker room, obviously, with the, yeah. the COVID protocols. But just, you know, honestly, we know more about that now on social media. And definitely some guys travel. I know Quandre Dix, who talked to us, he went back home to Texas, had some good family time. But uh, I think it was, you know, probably the typical mix. Some guys just stayed home, laid low. A few guys went went on the road. And I don't think anybody was going on any lavish vacations other than Jamal Adams joking about going to Paris. But <laughs> right. uh, I think, you know, I think for the most part, it was just either go home and see family or stay home and hang out with family. Well, I had uh, Ethan Posick. Uh, him and I were great minds think alike. We were both at the uh, Great Wolf Lodge this past week. Um, so, you know, there's there's some that stayed local and just did some stuff with family as well. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, John, the, the other thing that I was really curious to get your, your take on, you know, from, from that offense perspective, you talked about Chris Carson, the running game. Um, but how about the identity aspect of this offense and, you know, who they want to be? Uh, we've talked about this group wanting to uh, get back to the running game while Russell Wilson was out. Uh, how do you utilize, how do you put it all together under this uh, first year with Shane Waldron? Where where do you feel like the status of this offense is internally uh, in terms of what yeah, they I- want to do? I think they feel like I, I would think they feel like they're still kind of finding it. I mean, you got a new coordinator. There's going to be some adjustment, and then maybe right when you feel like you're at the point of the season, you should be hitting your stride. Boom, you lose your quarterback for a month. So, um, you know, they're they're obviously not a finished product yet. Getting Russell Wilson back certainly will help get them there. Um, but yeah, I mean, they want to be able to run the ball better. I think it goes back to the balance. Not the balance in terms of numbers, but the balance just in in terms of being able to do everything well when you need it. And you know, right. this game's a prime example. That's a really good defense. We don't know what the weather's gonna be like. You don't wanna go into that game one dimensional either way, really. You wanna be able to do what you need to do to move the ball depending on what a good defense does to you, what the the conditions might do. But look, we saw what happens also when you go out and throw the ball to Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf a bunch last week or two weekends ago, and that can work really well. So I think, you know, to me, when we talk about balance, I want to see him just do whatever is working well and, and can help them win games. And if that's running the ball, great. If it's throwing it a bunch to your weapons, do that. Have you seen some gradual improvements uh, specifically with the pass rush? Because if you look at Aaron Rodgers' splits when under pressure or not, no surprise here, same as any other quarterback, but struggles a bit more under pressure. And you've seen good numbers from the defense as a whole, um, but those sack numbers are still pretty low. What's been the, the common thread with those being, you know, the way they are? Yeah, you know, the, the sack numbers haven't been great, but they do feel like they're getting better in terms of just the overall, the pressure, the affecting the quarterback. You know, I think they only sacked Trevor Lawrence maybe once last game, but they hit him a bunch. They, they're batting balls down the line of scrimmage. I think they had three or four batted balls. So 
sometimes you can really affect the quarterback without the sacks, and that's kind of what was the case in the last game. Obviously, you'd love to sack Aaron Rodgers a bunch if you can, but it's you know getting Daryl Taylor back helps a lot. They, you know, I think they've seen better play out of Carlos Dunlap these last two, three weeks. So, yeah, I mean, to your point, and no quarterback likes pressure, but Aaron Rodgers is one that if you give him time will just absolutely kill you. So they need to get that pass rush going. Hey, John, with the whole uh, OBJ thing going around, we just talked to Freddie Swain, and uh, you've talked to those guys, those receivers. They seem unusual. And, and, you know, I thought, look, this this might be maybe the best position group that they have. Um, but, you know, I know for Jake, Jake can never have enough receivers. You know, he's got to have every receiver in the world in his, on his roster but because uh, he's a quarterback. Quarterbacks, right? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, no, but <laughs> seriously uh, – as far as that room and the culture there, it just seems like it truly is a bunch of guys that are like pulling for each other. It's just, I don't know who who sets the tone there. Do you think it's it's Tyler Lockett or is it just I everybody? I think it's Tyler, and I think it probably comes from guys like Doug Baldwin before that. And, you know, that it's just kind of in the culture here all along. It started, you know, early on they ran the ball so much in those Marshawn Lynch days. You had to have that mentality of. You know, you know, you're not going to get yours every game. You're you're rooting for your guys. You're you're taking pride in the run blocking, all that. And I think that's just become the culture in this room. And look, I'm not saying that no BJ would have ruined that culture. And for all we know, he's going to be a great addition to the Rams. But this group is also really confident in what they have. And you know, they they're getting D. Eskridge back hopefully this week, and he can add a different element and dynamic to that offense that you know nobody else is quite the same player as him. So. They love that group. I think it's a really talented group. That's not to say that adding a player of OBJ's caliber wouldn't have made him even better, but I don't think not getting him is something that's going to doom your season and certainly a position group that, as you said, is pretty loaded. He is Seahawks.com reporter John Boyle. Joins us every single week on The Huddle. John, good talking to you. Have a good weekend. Great, thanks, and uh, good talking to you guys too. See ya. Thanks, John. All right, uh, we have just five seconds here. Dave, your player to watch. Oh, shoot. I forgot about that assignment. Oh, man. No, <laughs> it's Devontae, Devontae Adams. Uh, okay. I think, and, you know, our corners, we'll, we'll see how. I mean, he's not like this big, huge guy, but he's six foot one. And we'll see how our corners and how confident they are. We talked to Trey Brown yesterday. Yeah. yeah. Love that, that was kid. such a good interview. Yeah. And he's he's so confident and he's so mature. So, you know, watching him, and I think DJ Reed's the same type of guy. They're both the best cover guys. So I'll be, uh, I'll be curious to see um, those guys going up against. Uh, Devonte Adams. Jake, player to watch. Call me Captain Obvious here, but it is definitely Russell Wilson coming back from that finger injury, first time back, going to Lambeau Field against Aaron Rodgers. How does he look? How does this offense look? To me, he is definitely the player to watch. All right. Uh, my player to watch, I was going to be really boring, but I was going to go with uh, one of the pass rushers. So either Carlos Dunlap or Daryl Taylor. I just that's think that's going to be. I that's thought that one. was going to be the key to getting Aaron Rodgers down. All right. Uh, Seahawks taking on the Packers this weekend, uh, November 14th on Sunday. That'll do it for us. For Dave Wyman, for Jake Heaps, for Curtis Rogers, I'm Stacey Ross. This has been The Huddle.